Welcome back to the Right Skills, Right Plate podcast. I'm Randy Gallinson. Today's episode is for people making the transition to a plant-based diet. We'll talk about acting on the insight that motivates this change, the mindset skills that'll sustain you through it, as well as some practical tips for this life-changing choice. To help us with this conversation, Michelle Dwyer is with us in the studio. Michelle is a health coach and a nutrition consultant who has supported many, many people to successfully make this transition. And we're thrilled. She's one of the health coaches on the MedChef's team. Michelle, welcome. Hi, Randy. It's so great to be here. And I just want to say before we jump in, uh, not only is this something I'm passionate about professionally, but personally, uh, under the umbrella of plant-based, this has been my way of eating and way of living since I was about 18. And I, I that's so about 30 years. <laughs> so wow, I'm so really <laughs> excited. Yeah, I've been walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Yeah, you're an early adopter. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And I just want to say that Dr. Quinn and I were looking for health coaches and we came across your website. What we noticed right away was how overwhelmingly positive the feeling was from your website and that enjoyment of food really comes through. And so that fits with our philosophy, which is live into health. And we're so glad you joined the team. Oh, I'm I'm so excited to be here. And I think it's just such a beautiful blending on MedChefs of the practicalities of how to do this and the importance of making these shifts and changes in a very doable way. So I'm excited to get into this. Yeah. Let's get into it. So there's quite a media buzz about the plant-based diet and the insight to want to make this change is sometimes around personal morals or your feelings about sustainability in the planet. But very often our clients come to us um, for health reasons. What are you seeing in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I first became plant-based, folks would ask me, you know, what are your motivations? Why are you doing this? And, and I would say, well, which one of the seven do you want me to give you? Because there's so many, right? From our, our planet to reducing our carbon footprint, animal welfare, sometimes it's for moral or religious reasons, but absolutely the health reasons, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, chronic kidney disease, hypertension, diabetes, weight loss, inflammation, overall gut health. When we look at these chronic diseases facing our country and our, our world, right, there's so much that we can do through daily choices of what we decide to put in our mouth. And I also, like you said, Randy, I love talking about the enjoyment, right? So we want to reverse disease or prevent disease, but let's also love plants. There's so much bang for the buck there. We get our vitamins, our minerals, our phytonutrients, our fiber, they're nutrient dense. So this is something that I think we can really do for our health, for uh, any other larger motivations, and it actually can be doable, sustainable, and enjoyable. I see people who experience this as a big sacrifice. Tell me what people feel like when they first start on this journey. Yeah, I think it's it's just to acknowledge that oftentimes this suggestion comes at a time when we might be feeling scared or vulnerable or overwhelmed and just to recognize that we have this belief that change is hard. However, we know through our practice and through working with folks that if we have the support, if we have the accountability, if we have helpful guidance, if we have practical steps, then we can make those daily choices, those daily steps that lead to healthy action. And then eventually this just becomes the way of life, the way of eating, right? It just becomes our new normal. 
I think like you said, it can also feel like so big, like such a sacrifice. This is something that people focus on when they think about a meal. So it is a way of changing uh, sort of our perceptions of what a meal might look like or what our um, daily food intake might look like. Um, And I think also too, just to name it, you know, when folks are so used to leaning into animal products for their choices, they think it's not going to taste good, or it won't be that filling, they'll be hungry all the time, they won't know how to make it right where to start. So I think it's it comes from a lot of practical and emotional concerns. It is a big shift for people. Well, let's first start with the motivation and and making that change. So you have an insight that this is something you need to do. Either it's, you know, an inspiration or it's a fear-based motivation. What do you think is the best way to start? Is it small steps or is it hardcore all at once? Do you Mm. set goals around it? Do you need to build skills? What do you think works? Yeah, that's such a good question. I, I think it's a it's a combination and also depends on the person. Some of us are kind of all or nothing folks. So go in cold turkey, dive in head in, right? Like that is really great for some people and it works really well. And other folks, they need to make those baby steps. They need to start by adding in those vegetables and, and clearing out those animal products. I'm a big fan of, of filling that plate full of nutrient-dense plant-based foods. And then we will, won't miss that animal um, product as much. Let's have a plan. Let's have a preparation and then set those steps so that it feels very doable. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's knock out the first myth that this costs more. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. This one always kind of cracks me up. Um, And I do think it's part of, as you were saying at the beginning, Randy, that plant-based has become so popular. And so you see a lot of these Um, very expensive items that are plant-based, but really when we're cooking whole foods, real foods, right? It really can be so much cheaper. Grains are cheap, legumes and beans are inexpensive, right? You can buy things in bulk. Um, You know, there's ways to get vegetables that are on sale. You can buy frozen, right? There's a lot of different ways. And so meat is really expensive. Dairy is really expensive. You know, if we look at actually the cost of things, um, I really just think this is a myth that we need to, to, as I say, put in the compost heap. And again, when we're making batch meals, when we're reusing our ingredients, when we have these make aheads, um, I think there's just ways to make it very efficient and make sure that we have less food waste because so often um, expenses also around food waste. So actually using and eating the food that we buy is a really cost effective way of preparing our meals. And it can save a lot of time. We have a really good uh, podcast with our chef, David Potash, on um, batch cooking and make ahead. So be sure to listen to that one when you get a chance. Okay, how about the whole mouthfeel part of it? It's not going to taste good. It won't fill me up. Food is such a basic part of our comfort and enjoyment in life. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to explore here. I think sometimes people think they don't like vegetables, right? Because maybe how they were prepared when they were growing up. And so 
Getting comfortable with preparing veggies in a yummy, delicious, easy way is really important. Uh, you and I talk a lot about eating the rainbow. For, so for going for diversity, choosing those different colors of vegetables, go for the things that you like and then start to explore some other uh, vegetables or fruits that might be new to you. I'm a big fan of eating in season, which also makes things a little bit more affordable. Um, and there are just so many great recipes on MedChefs. One of my favorite things to do is think like, oh, I've got all this like kale or I've got these Brussels sprouts, like what do I do with them and going in and using the, the recipes to find a new fun and creative way of, of making them. The thing that's beautiful about vegetables, Randy, right? And you know this with our Nutra Tracker, we're trying to really get a lot of vegetables in in the day. You are going to be full if you're aiming to get your cups of vegetables in for the day. They are filling because they are so nutrient dense. It's a different kind of feeling filled up, right? But it's yeah. it's from a, a place of feeling like really nourished and really satisfied and really satiated. And then you, you and I are both big lovers of the herbs and spices and condiments. This is how we get that flavor. This is how we, get, we play with texture with vegetables. Things like cauliflower rice are really popular right now or making noodles out of zucchini, right? Shredding vegetables. So playing with texture, playing with flavor, playing with herbs and spices. This is all ways to make it really, really uh, doable and interesting and delicious. And um my favorite and yours, the art of the bowl. So definitely check out that resource article because that is, this is how I eat most of the time. <laughs> it, was what, it was what my lunch was today. It was a bunch yeah. of shredded veggies and a yummy little peanut sauce I made from home and some, some baked tofu, right? But it was just so yummy and so delicious. And, and I can tell you, I feel very, very happily filled up right now. <laughs> yes. The herbs and the spices and the condiments, the, to me, that's the game changer because you could roast a whole uh, tray of roasted vegetables. And then you could take that in any direction. You just use a portion of them and you'll have, you know, a whole bag in the refrigerator and you just bring them out, repurpose them and uh, change the flavor profile. And you've got a whole, an entirely different dish. So yeah. And that connects to our other two things too, because when you are, you know, it's so it makes life so much easier to make that big batch of roasted veggies. We always make two or three racks at a time. Um, and so you get, you're saving time, you're saving money, and then you just get to play with those different uh, flavor profiles. So absolutely. It's perfect. Let's see. So there is this aspect of it, the prep taking more time. I've heard people who first start out say, oh my God, the shopping list is so long um, because it's a lot of ingredients. And I think that is a reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a way to take those small steps, um, really kind of building up what I call your vegan pantry. You don't have to buy all the things all at once. Slowly build that pantry, slowly build those staples. I think the staples um, also of your pantry really help things because you can put together something like the bowl. You can put together a nice little flavor profile once you have those things on hand. And if you're starting from scratch, you know, that's again where pick a recipe that sounds really good and buy those ingredients. You don't have to go all in right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, having that repertoire of basics, you know, like we tend not to have much variety in breakfast, find the three or four breakfasts that you like, get really good at making them and then start ad-libbing from there. 
you're absolutely right. So I think this is where there's some, some patience and some slowly building. And then also, you know, in terms of the skill set, if this is something that's brand new to someone, you know, your, your skill set is slowly going to build your confidence is slowly going to build your recipe repertoire is slowly going to build and, and it will get easier. Right. And I think that's part of our big message today is, is start where you need to start, take those steps and trust that the process will get easier. We also have a great podcast on flavors. Christopher Lee, who's quite a well-known chef, and he talks about what a basic spice collection might look like, just so that you can have all kinds of variety and and just have the, the sort of foundational six or seven spices that will help you. So that's a good one to tune into. And then let's talk about the elephant in the room. (laughs) The fastest rising business in the food industry right now is plant-based meats and dairy. And, um, you know, it it is heavily, heavily processed. Um, And the question is, is it healthy or not so much? Will it help people who are craving meat taste and mouthfeel? What do you think? What's your view on that? Yeah, no, I really feel for for folks because it can be so overwhelming. There are so many options, so many choices, and they're not all created equal. And so um, I think becoming a savvy shopper is part of the process, but it can be part of the transition. So uh, a couple tips and suggestions is, like you said, it it is typically a fairly highly processed food. So treat it like a treat. So it's not a staple of what you eat all the time. Um, But if it's helping you get past that craving for a burger and you find a plant-based burger that you really like, well, then maybe that's the thing that just kind of scratches that itch while you're making that transition, (laughs) right? And then things to keep an eye out for when you're looking at your tracker, you know, one of the things that you're tracking is your sodium and the sodium in those processed foods tends to be really high, uh, partially because we're making something that doesn't taste like meat, taste like, try to taste like meat. And so how do we do that? Well, we add fat, sugar, and salt usually, right? And so um, really good idea to keep an eye on that label. Um, And then of course, looking at that list of ingredients. And so if you start to see that list is really, really long. That might be a little bell of mindfulness to think like, is this really a food? Um, or is this a food like substance? I borrowed that from Michael Pollan. Um, also, if you're looking at the ingredients, and you're like, Oh, okay, there's a couple different ingredients in here, but they're all things that I recognize, versus if you just start to see things that that don't sound like food to you. Um, so I think those are a couple of, of great suggestions. Um, and again, it's, it's looking for the one that that I don't know, I think helps you kind of satisfy that transition. But I think there's a lot of things that you can easily make from home that will also satisfy that. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that industry. And um, as more research comes up about the health impact of this food, we'll write a more in-depth article about what we're seeing. Okay, well, let's talk about the social aspect. I remember going places in a restaurant, this is many years ago, where there'd be the lone vegan and they'd take forever to order because they were making special requests and there was nothing on the menu. And you're just kind of tapping your foot and saying, come on, are you going to be able to eat anything here? And times have really, really changed. Every restaurant literally has some plant-based choices on their menu. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, this is this has been my way of life for 
30 years. And that was, that was me. Um, that was and, you. <laughs> and, and I have to say, I, I got really skilled at a pretty young age at asking questions and advocating for myself at a meal and, and making sure that um, there was something there that I could eat and also recognizing, you know, it's just one meal too, right? Like, like the, it doesn't have to be the be all and end all of our, of our, of our food intake or even of our social engagement. But one of my favorite things is when a restaurant um, has a clearly labeled uh, menu. So you don't have to ask the questions. Um, that's, yes. that's, I, I hope to see more and more of that in the restaurant industry, but yes, absolutely. You know, look ahead at the menu. If you know where you're going, see if there's a place that does have um, clearly labeled things, especially with the internet, you can Google search. There's a lot of great apps that will help you find either vegan restaurants or what to order that is vegan at that restaurant. So there's a lot of great technology out there. I always ask for a side of veggies. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to get at any restaurant, even if it's not on the menu. Look at those side dishes. I'm, I love pairing together a couple different side dishes or appetizers together. And frankly, typically it's, it's way more food anyway, right? Like it's right. right? Like most places yeah. at, a, at a restaurant is way more food than we really need anyway. So a couple of sides and, and you're, you're good to go. You know, there's lots of ways to eat, eat well when you're eating out. Yeah. And I think it's just getting easier and easier. And so the holidays are coming. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of family gatherings. What do you recommend for that? So I think it it depends on the social situation, but there are definitely some good strategies. And this is really helpful for anybody making, you know, any kind of dietary change is, um, you know, one of my favorite things is bringing something to the meal that you know, you'll love that you can eat and that will really inspire the whole room. I can't tell you how many times I've brought food to a potluck and someone asked me for the recipe or someone asked me what's inside. Like, what, this is so good. What is it? You know, are you sure there's no dairy in this? Yep. Yep. I'm sure. Um, so it's really kind of a fun and creative way to both make sure you have something there that you can eat and also really kind of share in the deliciousness of plant-based eating. And I do think if you are a guest, um, again, I, I got really good very early on it at, um, at clear communication um, and speaking up to a host. Uh, if you do have specific eating guidelines for your health and for your well-being, that it's okay to, to communicate that ahead of time. And I know for me as a host, and Randy, I'm curious if you feel the same way, if someone has a dietary issue or it's something that they don't eat or something that you know, isn't working for them right now. I'd much rather know ahead of time. I can, I, I would can too. That, is, that would be your worst nightmare that you should made a bunch of food that your guests can't eat. Absolutely. That, yeah. And you want people to feel comfortable in your home and um, to feel like it's abundant and people will leave the table full. And absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And I can guarantee every single moment that I've gone into a, a social situation where my brain went to that worried place there's always an abundance of food options. There's always great choices. Right. And, and again, if there isn't in that one meal, okay, it's one meal, you know, you, you move on. If I know I'm going to go someplace and there may not be a lot of great choices I might eat beforehand and then eat a lighter bit at that actual social engagement. Cause I'm not, that with some social situations, I'm not necessarily going there for the food. I'm going there for the people. And so that's what I focus on in that experience. 
Yeah, I, you know, that brings up the whole resilience piece of, you know, knowing sort of if you can always anchor back to your reason why you're doing this, I think that's really sustains you during those times when you're kind of wavering, it's just remembering what why you're doing this. And as you say, just, it's not a big deal. It's one meal. It's working with your own sense of disappointment and your own belief system. And I, I think it's worth looking there to see. If you really fall down over it and go, okay, that was interesting. Let's get yeah. back up again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. have to be a big judgment. And it's a yeah. learning opportunity, right? Like, oops, okay, next time I, I'll I'll do this. Or, okay, I, I learned this. I totally agree with you of coming back to the why and not getting like kind of sucked into any kind of guilt or judgment or kind of beating ourselves up and then just like, okay, how, how can I, how can I learn or what can I do differently next time with, with just real kind of clarity and neutrality, always opportunities to learn. Yeah. It's, that's the way to go. So tell me with your clients and your experience, how do they feel like they're changing? How do they sense their body? Um, Let's talk about the early things they notice and then long-term what they notice. Absolutely. Well, I kind of want to take us full circle when we started off with this belief that change is hard, right? And that is a belief. And it doesn't mean that that change is always easy, right? We do need that support. We do need guidance. We do need accountability. And the thing that I notice that I hear from clients all the time is, oh, that wasn't actually as hard as I thought it could be. Or, oh, you know what? It's weird. I'm not actually missing my milk or whatever it is as much as I thought I would. Or, oh, actually, I really am loving my morning smoothies. I think very quickly, like those first couple of weeks, right? And then we start to see like, okay, this is, this is doable. This is actually something I enjoy. Oops. I didn't like that. Right. So even figuring out what we, what we don't like is, is valuable information. And then I would say pretty quickly when folks change to a plant-based diet, the, the, it doesn't take long to have more energy to actually feel lighter in their body. Sometimes with the digestion, it can take a little bit of transition if you're, if you're increasing your fiber, but once your system gets used to that increase of fiber and those vegetables and those fruits, um, overall better digestion. So I would say pretty quickly, uh, those sort of great benefits. I've even seen, you know, had clients say, oh, my skin's looking better than it ever had. Or that's yeah. overall inflammation folks will start to notice that their joints feel better. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's because we see ourselves in the mirror, or other, but I, I always say people notice it in their faces pretty quickly, right? Because we see our faces, we're like, whoa, okay, this is, this is, you know, there's just a glow. I don't know. There's just a, a shine and a glow that starts to happen when you're eating nutrient dense foods and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't take long. Yeah. Yeah. My son, uh, he's 28 and he's become vegan. And the, the change was astonishing. Like within two weeks, his skin cleared up. Um, his eyes were bright and clear. He uh, was less bloated. Yep. And um, I mean, I didn't even know he was bloated. He's such an athlete, but it really is really all of a sudden his lean definition really came out and uh, it, it was astonishing to watch. What do you think the benefits are long-term? Yeah. I mean, Certainly, as we start to shift and change, I will say, especially uh, our palate starts to shift, right? And so we get like excited to eat those vegetables. We don't want to eat those processed foods. Something that's full of that sodium or highly processed actually doesn't taste good to us anymore. And one of my favorite things is when clients will go away for a vacation or they're visiting family and they can't quite eat to their eating plan. And they'll say, Michelle, I 
you won't believe this, but I was so craving vegetables. Like all I wanted to do was come back and make a big batch of vegetables. And I always think, yay, that's exactly (laughs) right. Um, So I I love that. And I think that really speaks to the body wisdom, right? Like our bodies want to be in a state of health. They want to be at a state of balance and they want to be eating real foods and nutrient dense foods. So the more that we give them, the more that they're saying, yes, yes, please more of that. And then we get to see it in those biomarkers, right? We see our blood sugar come down. We see our blood pressure come down. We see our weight improve. Um, you shared about your son. And I'm going to share about my dad when he started to make some changes to his, to his eating. I mean, he lost weight. He had more energy, but the, at his, his, he just looked more youthful. Um, but he had to cut back his blood pressure medication. He's on the lowest possible dose without going off. Um, and it was just so exciting to see that. And again, it did not take long. So um, this really, really can be um, so powerful and so transformative. Yeah, that's wonderful. So that's the hopeful note and many changes to look forward to as you undergo this process. Just to remind you, there are so many reference articles and other podcasts to support you in new skills uh, and ways to stay engaged with your program. So uh, if you have any questions or you want to hear more about a topic in the future, you can reach us at support at medchefs.com. And thank you, Michelle. Thanks for joining us and sharing your wisdom and experiences. Thank you, Randy. Got to talk about one of my favorite things. So it's been a great time. 